All right then. Um, while they're finishing up the offering in the back, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and just uh, read this scripture to you. This is um, Isaiah. The prophet Isaiah was, was speaking to some people that were pretty darn discouraged. And uh, the one thing I love about God is he meets us where we're at. He meets us in our brokenness and in the pain and, um, and says, I have some hope for you. I've got some really good news. And so this is what the prophet spoke is that he spoke about this light that was coming. And he says, for to us, a child is born. Even though it's spoken in the, in, in the present, he is speaking to the future. But of course, as far as the Lord is concerned, all this has already happened, right? He's meaning that Jesus it says even before the foundation of the earth, Christ was already uh, crucified for us. The lamb was already slain. So he says, for to us a child is born and to us a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father and the Prince of Peace. Now the very next line is, is what's going to happen with this Messiah who's coming. So go ahead and Go to the next one. Of the increase of his government and his peace, there shall be no end. This is our Jesus. This is We're living in this right now. Of the increase, which means his kingdom is always expanding and always increasing the peace. And read it. In two, that's in the King James. In two other versions, this is in the message. His ruling authority will grow, and there will be no limits to the wholeness that he brings. Just let that one soak in for a minute. His ruling authority will grow, and there will be no limits to the wholeness he brings. And one more from the Good News Translation says, His royal power will continue to grow, and his kingdom will always be at peace. So can you, can you just say to yourself, I am at peace. Now, you may not be feeling it right now, but I'm just, I'm just coaching you. Because actually Jesus said the kingdom of the God is within you. So you're actually saying something that's true. And, of course, we want to be more and more in touch with the peace of Christ that's in us. I am at peace. So um, who is this Jesus? Who is this father who would send his son and come right in the midst of our brokenness and say, I, I know how hurt and, and, and messed up things that you're feeling, how messed up your life is. I have an answer. I have a, I have a son who's going to set you free. And so if we can go to the next one, we're going back to who this Jesus is. And tonight you're going to hear from each of the, the other, well, from four of the other uh, pastor leadership teams um, that are here tonight. And uh, each one of them is going to take a different one of these. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. So first we're going to start with a, a Jesus as our Wonderful Counselor. And I want to invite back up Frank and Debbie Klosky. From Good News Family Fellowship. And um, I don't, how many of you have ever witnessed a Christmas miracle before? Some kind, something miraculous. Well, I can tell you if you attend Good News Family Fellowship, we've been there now for pretty close to 20 years. And in those 20 years, my wife has never spoken publicly in church. <laughs> she, does, she does do the... Uh, <laughs> She does do the financial reports for our annual meeting once a year, so I shouldn't say she's never spoken in church. But uh, without any further ado, I'm going to let Debbie start us off with this tonight. Um, um, when I th- what I think we're all looking for in this life is somebody who really gets us, um, somebody who totally understands us and can tell us why we do what we do, 
who understands when we do the stupid things we do, who understands us when we don't understand ourselves. I know that we look for it in our parents. We look for it in our spouse. Um, I know we look for it in close friends, someone that will just just really love us and get us. I know my 14-year-old my daughter, Casey, a lot of times will say, Mom, you just don't get me. And I really try to get her. I was 14 once. I try to remember what it was like and why she feels the way she's feeling and why she's doing what she does. And I pray for wisdom. But I know I totally don't get her. And she, she wants to be understood. She wants someone, she wants me to get her. She's looking for that. She's yearning for that. And sometimes when we're looking for things, we'll go see a counselor. And so I looked up the definition of a counselor. And a counselor is a person who's trained to give guidance on personal, social, or psychological problems. And a lot of times we'll go to see a counselor, and they can usually help with an issue that we're dealing with. But even a counselor doesn't totally understand all of us. They don't understand the whole, the whole of us. And, and we just have that yearning deep inside all of us to be known and to be understood. And Jesus stepped out of heaven to be our wonderful counselor. And not, not just our counselor, our wonderful counselor. So I looked up wonderful too, and that is um, inspiring delight, pleasure, um, extremely good, marvelous. He's our extremely good, he's our marvelous counselor. He, he knows our thoughts. He knows every hair on our head. He knows our deepest, darkest secrets. He knows what makes us tick, and he loves us anyway. And we can go to him with any problem that we have. And that's just one of the things he is. All right. Woo. You know, Debbie and I went to San Jose State together, and we had a... Um, uh, like a communication and speech class together, and I thought, well, I'll help you through it, Deb. You know, we'll, we'll get through this. And the very first speech we ever gave in class, she got, we got our scores back, and I was so, I got like a B, and I was thinking, what did I do wrong? What did I do wrong? And I'm, I'm thinking, oh gosh, I hope Debbie didn't do worse. She got an A. <laughs> I said, I don't know what happened. So, but anyway, all right, enough, enough of stories. All right, who here has ever been to a counselor? All right, you don't, oh good, look at that. You know, most of the time, people will not raise their hand. Um, I'm not only a pastor, I've been a licensed marriage and family therapist now for close to 25 years. And I've seen uh, tons and tons of clients. But before you go to a counselor, before you sign up, what are some of the things that you look for? And I'll open this up. I'll just, uh, what do you look for before you go to a counselor? Before you make that phone call, what are you thinking about? Go ahead. Somebody who listens. All right, let's get down to the nitty gritty. What's the first? The first thing is, how much is it going to cost me? All right, you want to know, okay, 135 an hour, 150 an hour, oh my gosh, are we in Black Hawk, three and a quarter, I don't know, whatever, whatever it is, you want to know how much it's going to cost, right? Also, you want to know this, when are you available? Do your hours fit my hours? Can you be there? You know, how often can I come in? That kind of thing. Second, I want somebody with experience to counsel me. I want somebody who knows what the heck they're talking about. I don't want an intern. I don't want a trainee. I want somebody who's been licensed for like 20 years who knows exactly what I'm dealing with. And you do want someone, as Debbie mentioned, someone who understands you. Because you can sit in with a counselor uh, time after time, and you say, we're just not clicking. We're just not clicking. I don't think they get me, and I don't get them. Also, somebody you can connect with, someone who can actually help you, right? Those are the things we look for before we go to a counselor. Well, here's the good news. Jesus is all those things. 
He is infinitely all those things. And you kind of knew where I was going with that, even as I was reading the description. He is always available. He always has the best advice. He always is there for us. Jesus dealt with so many clients during his ministry. He dealt with Nicodemus, an incredibly religious guy, but he was missing the key ingredient. He needed to be born again before he would even have a clue. Jesus knew exactly what to say to Nicodemus. Jesus met the Samaritan woman, and when all was said and done, his word to her, his counseling word to her was, you don't need a man, you need a savior. You need me. You need the living water. A man will never be able to fill that entire void for you. You need me. I'm your man. It's amazing. 38 years, one guy was sick, comes to Jesus, and Jesus says, do you want me to heal you? Listen to this now as Jesus, the wonderful counselor, because that's what he says to us. Do you want me to heal you? 38 years, this man was infirmed. And 38 years later, Jesus brought the healing touch. You may have had hurts that have been hanging around for a long, long, long time. Jesus is waiting for you to come to him and say, I want to be healed. That's the response that he has for you. And I just have one personal example. I said I've been a marriage and family therapist for 25 years. One of those requirements is that you go to counseling yourself. I did not know that. Um, And so I remember sitting in a meeting with about 20 other counselors at the time I was working at Golden Hills Counseling Center in Antioch at that church, very large church. They had a bigger staff than we have a congregation. But anyway, um, I went there, and we went around the circle, and everybody was sharing their counseling experience. And they said, how about you, Frank? And I said, well, I've never been to a counselor. And they, and they all stopped. You know, and they were looking at me, and I said, and they said, why? And I said, well, I don't want anybody as incompetent as I am giving me advice. <laughs> and they finally convinced me to go. I want to tell this story very, very quickly. I went... And um, like a lot of folks in here, we've been through a lot of trauma in life. Um, When I was a child, I had been uh, molested by a family member, and it was very traumatic for me, and I had never opened up to anybody. I finally opened up to this counselor. And as we were going through this scene, he walked me through it. My eyes were closed, and he said, just tell me what you see. Tell me what you see. And I told him about the incident, and I was tearing up, and I was having a really tough time. And he just asked, as any good Christian counselor should, where is Jesus in this picture? Can you see Jesus? Invite him in. And I invited him in, and I remember everything, the picture I had of what was going on in that memory completely shut off. And all I saw literally was just white and brightness, and I remember a a voice distinctively telling me, and this is very important if you go to Jesus as the wonderful counselor, because if you go to him as the wonderful counselor, you have to know who he is. So as that white flashed before me, I saw Jesus standing there, and I distinctly heard him saying to me, the God you worship isn't me. And I just, wow, I just was floored. I couldn't understand that. But the God that I had worshipped growing up was a God who wanted me to perform. A God, if I made a mistake, that I was kind of afraid he was going to be very disappointed in me. A God I felt like I could never measure up enough for me. And immediately all those thoughts flooded through my head. The God you worship isn't me. And then I looked up and I looked looked at Jesus literally straight in the eye. And he spread his hands out like this. And he said, this is me. I still get choked up when I talk about it, and he just came up to me and threw his arms around me and just gave me a great big hug. That's our wonderful counselor. 
That's our wonderful counselor, and he's there for every single one of us. He will never fail you. He will never forsake you. Jesus is our wonderful counselor. And with that said, I have the privilege to introduce uh, Chuck and Linda McCallum, and they um, have been going to Good News Family Fellowship. Well, be, they're in Good News Family Fellowship. They don't attend there. Um, for uh, over, a little over a year now, and it's just been a delight to have them. Without any further ado, you guys, come on up. Thanks so much. Thank you. Again, thanks for having us. So we are speaking on Mighty God. What an honor. So as I thought about Mighty God, God had shared something with me, and I'm going to try to share it with you, but this scripture came to me. It's from the first chapter of Colossians, and it reads, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything else was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavens, heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see. As thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world, everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. And when I was thinking about Mighty God, I thought of a time I had one morning um, with the Lord. I was sitting there, and honestly, I hate to say this, but I was kind of whining because I'm like, God, I really want to see just kind of more of who you are. And, you know, just... Anyway... And all of a sudden, in my mind, I had this amazing flash of the universe. You know those Hubble um, uh, telescope pictures with the, the stars and the beautiful colors and the planets and the galaxies that are spread out along, along the universe? And I saw that in my mind, and I'm like, wow, God, that's beautiful. And the next thing I saw, and I, I'm a... Uh, I did a lot of biological sciences in college. I saw a cell, a little tiny cell with all the amazing things that are in it. And I was like, wow, that's amazing, God. You make the most beautiful things all the way down to the cellular level. It's beautiful. And the next thing I saw was Jesus standing there. But inside his stomach area was the universe. And I sat there and was like, oh, my gosh, you're so beautiful in you. Everything has its breath and creation. You hold it all together. Because I do remember in chemistry thinking, you know, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God, why does the atoms stay together? Why does the nucleus stay together? Okay, guys, that breaks all the laws. But I finally have come to the revelation that it's because he says so. Because he's mighty God, he says so. <laughs> so, yeah, it does preach. <laughs> and with that, that's our mighty God. Yeah. Wasn't that good? Imagine with one word he created all the universe. With a simple word. Our words are so powerful. 
But God's words are incredibly powerful. And they can change and create immediately. So Jesus came as the son of God, a child, but he's almighty God. When Jesus comes and marks something like human beings, he shows how great they are. He wanted to show how great we were, what he created, and he chose to take all his almightiness and put it in human form. We're, we're actually, what, what we experience as believers, it says that we are earthen vessels and we carry the treasure of heaven in us. So imagine what Jesus carried. He says, greatest is the least in the kingdom of heaven. When he was talking about the John the Baptist, he said, even John the Baptist doesn't compare to what we carry. But imagine what Jesus carried in a human body, the almightiness of God. He reveals himself, so much so that a woman could just touch him, and the power of God would flow out of his body, and, and people would get healed. If we don't see Jesus as the Almighty God incarnate, we won't experience fully what he wants for us on, the, on earth. But he wants us to understand him as the Almighty God. We just recently went to uh, Brazil for a trip. And we got to see blind eyes open. I saw somebody who had been blind their entire life get their eyesight back. We saw deaf ears open up while we were there. And God showed up in so much power. And I'm thinking he's using us as earthen vessels to reveal his almightiness. In Revelations 22, it talks about, um, here, let me, my phone went blank there for a second. It talks about that there will be no temple in heaven, but it's going to be the Lamb and the Almighty God who will be the temple. Their very presence is the temple of God. So you see the connection of becoming a son, a child, the Lamb, who died for the sins of the world with the Almighty God. That connection goes on throughout Scripture. But when I read this one part in Revelations 21.3, I was thinking about how mighty he is. And it says, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be, that, be, that, will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall no, be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Only an almighty God could do that. We, read, we sang a song, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. And there's one verse that hit me. Veiled in flesh in the Godhead sea, hailed the incarnate deity. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead sea, the almighty God, hailed the incarnate deity. Pleased as man with man to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. God is with us. So we have a video for you. Because God... Videos tonight. And as we have these videos, I would really encourage you to reflect on what God wants to do in your heart in this Christmas season. There are so many powerful people out here because you carry the Almighty God's presence in your earthen vessel. 
And he's going to reveal that over this next year in many of your lives. And many of you are going to experience that in greater measure over this next season. Amen. Thank you, guys. Hi. Uh, I'm uh, Dan Knight, and this is my bride of 32 years, Amy Knight. And we're here with the East Bay Prayer Furnace. So um, I just wanted to, first of all, just thank you guys for com- calling us together, Brent and Suzanne, and for David for hosting us. We're just, uh, I've been looking forward to getting together with you all for weeks now, ever since we heard about it, and it's just so cool. So thank you so much. It was a lot of work, well, well put together. Um, we have the opportunity to talk about um, everlasting Father. So looking back at Isaiah 9-6, talking about uh, the coming Messiah as someone who's going to be not just wonderful counselor, not just everlasting God, not just Prince of Peace, but this everlasting Father. And so um, Amy and I both thought we had like a, about a three-and-a-half-minute download. So, uh, <laughs> so I'm going to do a three-and-a-half-minute download. I'm just going to do a three-and-a-half-minute download. Hopefully they'll be along the line, same lines. <clears throat> Um, so the, uh, when I looked at that and thought a little bit about uh, that, my mind immediately went to what were the people who listened to Isaiah saying that, what were they thinking? When, when Isaiah, I mean the people walking around, when Isaiah's talking, are, are under oppression. They've got the Assyrians coming. They've got their own brethren from the church, I mean from the, uh, the northern tribes of, of Israel lined up with a foreign country, with Aram, all against them. And they're, they're looking to Isaiah saying, what do we do? They're thinking about going for foreign aid. And Isaiah is coming to them saying, let me tell you what's happening. There is one coming, and he's going to have these characteristics. He's going to have these four names. And so, and they hear this, and I, I, part of me thinks when they heard Everlasting Father, they're, they're kind of thinking, what? I mean, I mean, maybe a good counselor, maybe a good solid counselor, Maybe, maybe you know, maybe Prince of Peace. Mighty God, it's hard for me to get my head around that. And Everlasting Father, I don't know. Maybe we'll go to Egypt is kind of what I'm thinking, they're thinking. Uh, until I think, until I see uh, how Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, um, actually processed this through. And so when, when Zechariah uh, proclaimed after he obeyed the angel and named his son John, uh, he, I think he just named him John. I don't think he named him John the Baptist. I think that came later. But, but he just named him John, and he said um, he will name him John. And so then he prophesies. Well done, Susan Folkler, by the way, uh, uh, about the prof- prophetic words and how they all match together. That was, I loved reading that. I meant to tell you that. I'll just tell it to you per- publicly. Um, the, uh, when they read that, um, Zechariah says that he would remember his holy covenant, and he says the oath which he swore to Abraham, our father, to grant that we, being rescued from the hand of our enemies, might serve God without fear in holiness and in righteousness before him all our days. And so that's when I get my head around it. I think, okay, they're thinking, aha, we're looking for somebody like Abraham. We're looking for somebody with his goodness and his kindness coming, and we're, we're looking and hungering for him. So I think we've got our head around it, except that... 700 years later, you can tell they kind of missed the boat on that. You can tell by watching Philip's reaction when Jesus comes and says, 
this verse, if you had known me, Philip, in John 14, you would have known my father also, and from now on you do know him, and you have seen him. And Philip said to him, Lord, show us the father, and it's enough for us. And Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long that you have not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the father. And so Philip says what all of the disciples were thinking. He just has a, little, a few more guts than they do. <laughs> wondering, what, what about this father? Just, just show me the father. Why was he confused? It's because, over in, I think, over 700 years, their version of the father got confused. They're not looking for an Abraham. They're looking for somebody high, holy, stern, resistant. And, and they're, they're kind of saying, Jesus, we watch you heal the sick. We watched how you dealt with a woman caught in adultery, so kind, so gentle, how you navigated and found a way to actually raise her dignity and her honor. We watched how you were so kind with, with Nicodemus, even though he came to you in the middle of the night. We watched how you dealt with it. You're the kind one. The father, I mean, he's different. He's stern. He's, he's somebody who's so holy, so unapproachable. And Jesus says, no, no you've got it wrong. You've seen me. You've seen the Father. I am that. And that's because that Father is that kind. He is that loving. He's the one who proclaimed to Moses, I am abounding in love. I am abounding in patience. I am, I am so for you. That's who I am, Moses. And so I, sometimes I think that we, too, get confused about who it is that we're looking for. And that's the Father that we worship. So. That was good. Maybe we should sit down. <laughs> I want to watch you. Okay. Um, okay, so I got Isaiah 64, 1. Oh, that you would rend the heavens, that you would come down, that the mountains might shake at your presence. Um, along with the verse Matthew twenty seven fifty, And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth quaked. And the rocks were split, and the graves were opened. Right after he yielded up his spirit, the very moment of death was the very moment of the tearing open of the veil, was the very moment when the eternal Father came to fill all in all. The door was opened that shall never be shut. Revelation 3 says, I will open a door no man can shut. The door is Jesus. He was torn in two. His flesh was the veil, ripped apart. He became the open door to the eternal Father, a door no man can shut. Something similar happens to us in our most painful trials. Sometimes we feel rent in two on the inside. Everything we thought we were about seems to die. All seems dark. At the moment of this death comes a light far brighter than we can possibly imagine. The light of the eternal Father coming to fill the abyss of our empty souls with himself. He wants to abide deeply in us and commune with us constantly in an abiding presence that has no end. It is eternal like himself. A deep peace that truly knows no bounds. A manifestation of the Father in us and through us to the world around us. This past year in the Hebrew calendar was said to be the year of the sword. The sword rends in two. 
It tears open and it tears apart. Many painful things happen to us, yet these times of our soul being rent is the very times when God comes most powerfully. Just as the cross was the most painful rending of all, that of the Father and the Son being separated, so also this is the very place where the Eternal Father came in all of his fullness to open up heaven to all of mankind. Our hearts are his dwelling place, his tabernacle, his heaven. When our hearts are rent in two through the most painful trials, this is the very place where God comes to fill all in all. He comes in fullness to dwell in us and to manifest himself to us and through us in that rent space. We want to shake the earth like Jesus. It's the moment that he gave up his spirit and he yielded to the Father and died, that the earth began to shake. So also with us, may we give up ourselves to the Lord and yield to him that the earth may shake again. I'd like like to invite up David Kim, Pastor David Kim at Parkway. Thanks, Amy. Wow, so good to be here with you. I have the distinct pleasure of being without my wife today, (laughs) meaning I get to speak for seven full minutes. (laughs) Ha! (laughs) Come on, Jack. (laughs) No, so she's at home taking care of our uh, new two-month-old baby. Can't believe she's already two months. And uh, yeah, both of them are kind of battling uh, like cold symptoms and things, so they're they're at home resting. <sighs> but, you know, uh, as we're th- looking at the scripture, Isaiah 9, 6 through 7, I'm reminded of how this was um, Isaiah's prophetic word. And how many years would it be before it's completely fulfilled in Jesus? Long time. Six, seven hundred years. Wow. I wait like six, seven days, and I'm thinking, come on, God. <laughs> Where is that prophetic word coming out? <laughs> Some of you are like, where is my spouse? Where is my new job? <laughs> wow, but it's also amazing. Isaiah, he like got so many things right on the dot hundreds of years beforehand, and he saw nothing of the kind be- before his eyes. This is amazing, just the dependence that Isaiah had. You know, Isaiah is looking back upon dozens of failed monarchies or kings, one after the other, one after another. Uh, by and large, almost every single one, except the brilliant light here and there, every single one rebelled against God, did not honor his word, didn't, they turned to sacrifice to idols and built high places and idolatry and all of these things for about 500 years. <laughs> and God has kept on sending prophet after prophet to say, come back to me. Guys, come on. 500 years. God is so patient. He is so tender-hearted. Yeah, he doesn't want a judge to, you know, rebuke us and make us feel bad. No, he wants to bless us, to give us life that we would seek him. And so Isaiah's looking back upon hundreds of years of failed kings one after another. But he's also looking 600 700 years up to when Jesus is born. You know, when that child is born, that son is given, 
speaking of his humanity, the child being born, a baby. Every baby is a gift from the Lord. I just, I can't get over my daughter. She kind of like lies on my chest, but she kind of put her, puts her arm out like this. <laughs> just, just so special. It's such a small thing. My son never put his arm like that. He was always, <laughs> but my daughter puts her arms around me. <laughs> Every child is a gift from God, but this son that was given especially a gift from the Lord on that first Christmas. And what's unique about him is the Bible says the government will be upon his shoulders. You know, This baby was born to have the government put upon his shoulders. Yeah. Isaiah 9.4 talks about how the yoke of slavery and bondage and oppression that Israel had upon them through all these oppressive rulers and Assyria and Babylon that's going to be coming in a hundred years. Actually, Isaiah is also looking a hundred years later when after 500 years, God's sending prophet after prophet, Assyria is going to come and, and judgment is coming and God is wanting them to turn and avert judgment. But Isaiah's heart is broken. Yeah. And in the midst of that, looking forward to Jesus. And when Jesus is born, the government is on his shoulders. God's really concerned about government. I try to avoid politics most of my life. <laughs> and, you know, but God, you know what? God is very, very interested in government. Yeah. When Jesus came, the main thing he talked about was the kingdom of God. The government of God is here. Yeah. The the the. The assembly that he is gathering, he calls it ecclesia, which is not a religious word. It's actually a governmental word. Athens, city-states, citizens going outside of the city to deliberate, to make laws, to declare war or not. Ecclesia is more like Congress or Senate, not temple. When Jesus chose his disciples, he called them apostles. Governmental word, military word, emissaries, embassy that, that is sent out a fleet. Yeah. And Jesus declared when he came on the earth, the kingdom of God is at hand. God's government is here, guys. And, when, and he calls hearts to turn and to believe this gospel. This is great news. When the government of God comes, I want to be under his government because it's not oppressive. It's freeing. It's liberating. It's full of love and joy and peace. And Jesus, he carries the government of God upon his shoulders. I gotta slow down. <laughs> Just, it's on his shoulders. You know, we've had a rough week with sickness here. I started it, and Jeremiah caught it, and Sarah got it, and Elizabeth got it, and it's been a rough week with. We're not used to two kids waking up at night and crying and diapers and all this stuff. But more than that, we look around the world. We see a world in brokenness, searching, confusion, and hurt, much like Isaiah's time. But we're reminded the government is on Jesus' shoulders. Yeah. And of the increase of his government and peace, there is no end. Jesus, do that right here. Yeah, the increase of your government and peace, there is no end. And when Jesus declared the kingdom of God, he healed the sick, cast out demons, fed the poor, justice, mercy, and the kingdom of God was manifest. So how do we experience these things? Everlasting Father, Mighty God, Prince of Peace, Wonderful Counselor. When we open our hearts to Jesus, who he is, his name is Jesus. But what do you call him? 
I call him Wonderful Counselor. <laughs> his name's Jesus, but I call him Mighty God. I call him Prince of Peace. We need peace because we live in a world of trouble. Jesus said, in this world you will have tribulation, trouble. I, I don't like that verse. <laughs> but Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble. I wonder when will that trouble end? <laughs> when, my, when will things at my house stop breaking down? <laughs> when will all the mean people leave and the nice people you know, stay? And <laughs> when will, you know, whatever it is. When will all this trouble stop in this world? More money, less pain, better this and less that. And Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. The government is on his shoulders. He took it upon him, and he is worthy and able and with delight carries the government of God upon his shoulders. And when that baby is born, good news for all man, peace on earth. And this is ultimate great news. And so here we are today. What do you call him? Do you need the peace that he brings, the counsel that he, he brings, the, the power that he releases in your life? We're going to look at a video and, and worship along with a song that, uh, as we think about the names of Jesus, and so as we, as we listen to this, and, and let's worship along together with this Matt Redmond song, and, and say, Jesus, I worship you. You are my counselor, everlasting father, prince of peace. So let's worship together along with this video. Amen. Amen.